0: This is Chris Albert, and I'm here to remind you of one thing. Someday, you're going to die. Now that's not some morbid statement or scary idea. It's solid fact. Your time here on this earth is limited. We need to be reminded of this as much as possible for one simple reason: to live your best life while you can. This is
1: The Warrior Soul Podcast.
0: What is going on, ladies and gents? Uh, I got a good show for you today. It's a practical show. Uh, You know, when you're in, uh, a lot of guys rack up injuries. I know so many guys who by the time they were 25, serving in the infantry, they had bad knees, bad backs, bad shoulders, and they were still young men. And they got to live the rest of their lives with that stuff. And, you know, when I got out, I made some dumb mistakes, a lot of dumb mistakes. But one of the dumb mistakes I made was like, I was saying, I don't need veterans benefits. I'll save those for the people who really need them. And I will not try to apply for anything. I don't even want to be in the VA system. That was a mistake. And it was a mistake because I had things that were adding up too. And one of the things about the VA is that if... Money isn't getting used. The V eight doesn't get money, right? That's how the government works, right? It's it's super inefficient. It's not like a company where you know if you're continually going over budget, you are you you're, you're going to get fired in a regular company. But the way the government works is if you're not if you're using a lot of money, then the government tries to give you more money, or it allows you to justify that you need more money, right? And if we don't get enough veterans applying for VA benefits, then the VA is not going to get the money that it needs to do the job that it does. And, you know, knowing that you'd think that they'd make applying for benefits a lot easier than it actually is, but, but it's actually pretty freaking difficult. You got to file an intent to file. You got to, you got to, You know, make sure all your documents are in order. And again, they tell you while you're in, if you guys are still in, make sure you're documenting everything. Make sure you got everything in your record. Make sure you don't, if you got a nick on you, make sure that you get that shit documented because it could add up into something later on. So, what I did was I got this gentleman, Chad Lennon. He is a lawyer uh, and he works with veterans to help procure. VA benefits. Chad's also got a, a really awesome story. He was a um, he was a Marine Corps officer, and when he got out, he had real issues trying to find a job. Like real issues. No law enforcement agency would hire him. Um, you know, he, he he kept trying to do different things. So he decided to go to law school, and he got through law school, uh, and he you know. Went. He worked as a, a prosecutor and a defense attorney for a while, and we talk a bit about that. We talk about his background, you know, what life was like after the service, how he decided to make these changes that got him on the path he's on today. But we also talk in depth about VA benefits and how you can go out there and get those benefits for yourself. Um, what the processes are like and things like that. So you'll get a lot out of this episode, uh, both from hearing Chad's story and from the knowledge he's bringing to the table. I hope you get a lot out of it. If you got any questions about any of the stuff, Chad gives his contact information during the episode and we'll have it up on the show notes as well. So, uh, yeah, maybe I should say something about the podcast. You guys, if you haven't listened to this podcast before, this is the Warrior Soul podcast. And uh, my name is Chris Albert. I've been doing this podcast for five years. And um, essentially, the whole idea behind it is to help veterans to help themselves. My goal is to empower you to live your absolute best life by bringing tools, tactics, strategies to the table. Normally, we're not talking about things like VA benefits. We're talking about actual tools you can apply to your life to move yourself forward, to, to push you toward the top of your game. And that's what this community is about. Right. And, and I always say this, the veteran community is a sleeping giant in this country. When we wake up, that is when we're going to see this country get on a path like we have never seen it before. We have got more veterans out there right now who are of age to affect change in this society than ever. Um, aside from like world war II and the civil war, of course, but, there are plenty of us out there. We can do the amazing things that we need to do to change this country, to change our lives, to make society better, to teach our children properly, to, to you know, make this world into what we want to make it into. And that's what the Warrior Soul Podcast is about. So I hope you get a lot out of this show. hope you get a lot out of this episode. And uh, I'll be back afterward to give you the closing. Chad Lennon, welcome to the War Soul Podcast. How are you doing today? Great.
1: Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, you reached out to me actually a couple days ago, uh, and I said, why, why don't we uh, Why don't we hop on? Can you tell the audience a little
1: bit about yourself? Give them like a, a two-minute synopsis of who you are, where you're coming from. Sure. So I was uh, in Marine Corps, active duty 2008 to 2012, deployed to Afghanistan 2010, separated from the active service, and a few months later, joined the Reserves, uh, I'm a major in the reserves now, and I've been in the reserves since 2012. Uh, when I first got out, I couldn't get a job for like a year, year and a half. I took the LSATs, which is the entrance exam for law school, and I finally said, man, I got to I gotta get off my ass and do something. So applied to law school, got into one, and uh, finished it in about two and a half years. Went out and became a criminal defense attorney down in Maryland at first, and then I took a job as an assistant district attorney in Suffolk County, New York. Uh, while I was there I worked in the veterans treatment court uh, and then I applied for what I thought was a part-time job turned out to be full-time and the director of the veterans and service members rights clinic at Toro Law Center uh, been there for a couple of years been doing the reserve thing and trying to get involved in about five or six different charities and just giving what I can to, to help out the the veteran and service member community uh, how'd you end up becoming an officer What what, what made you do that my dad. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Nice. My dad was enlisted in the Navy and, uh, he was actually real nervous on nine 11 because I was in Staten Island and, uh, I was on the roof of my, uh, dorms when I saw the second plane hit. And my dad's like, if you're going to go in, that's fine. But you're going in as an officer. I know what it's like to be enlisted. Now he was enlisted in the Navy in the fifties. So it's definitely yeah. a different time, but, uh, he was very adamant about that. So I promised him. Uh, when him and my mom were able to come up i said fine i'm not going to go in now go in as an officer but it's going to happen at some point so uh i checked out all the branches um my father was in the navy so i felt the connection to that immediately Mm -hmm. and then i went to go talk to the air force and no one was ever there and i talked to the army and then uh i actually watched one of these videos from the navy about boot camp and all and i was like Oh, there's a Marine there. Oh, the Marines are hard asses. Let's go do it, man. So yes. she stepped up and was like, I'm going in the Marines. And was the only one in my family who was in the Marines.
0: Where were you going to school? Were you at Hofstra? Where, whereabouts were you? Uh,
1: Wagner college.
0: It's Wagner. Wagner. I know Wagner. Wagner. Yeah. 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 I had a football coach who went there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's
0: awesome. That's awesome. Did you play any sports in college?
1: No, I did uh baseball and basketball in high school. I got into MMA just after college. I uh, taught that for a little bit and had a couple of fights here and there. Um, but yeah, I wasn't in any organized teams in college. That's cool.
0: That's cool. And then, um, you know, going from college into the Marine Corps, becoming an officer, what was that 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 shift like for you? What was most of the officers I've had here were service academy graduates, so <laughs> I, I gotta I gotta get this contrast on here, seeing what the college was like versus going into OCS
1: and 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 uh, getting in the Marine Corps. Partying one-on-one in college. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lots yeah of I, I wouldn't have been able to survive the academies at that time, man. No way. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, awesome. it was definitely uh, interesting to see. So we went to OCS and we went to TBS. So anyone who was in a service academy didn't do OCS. Mm-hmm. So they essentially did four years to skip 10 weeks. I was like, I had to do 10 weeks. I had all my freedoms and for four years, well for me, five years, but anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, were, you, were you mostly with infantry in the Marine
1: Corps? What, what were you doing there? No, I, I went in and uh, so officers, we don't get to choose our MOS. Mm-hmm. Uh, you make a list and they break it up into thirds at the basic school. You got the top third, middle third, bottom third, and they spread load all the MOSs. I was at the bottom of the top third, so I got like my seventh or eighth choice, which was logistics. Um, so I went out, was a platoon commander. Uh, we had a truck platoon. Um in the uh Afghan deployment. I uh, came back and did the assistant opso. And then when I transitioned to the reserves, I lat moved into Intel and I've been doing that since and it's awesome. Nice,
0: nice. And and what does that consist of? You you uh what what is Intel
1: uh for all of us? <laughs> it's not just the weather. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not just ISO preps. <laughs> yeah. Um no, but it's awesome. You can do a lot of cool things there. I've been a production officer, so uh, when I was with one of the debts, we focused on um, sub-Sahara and the threats with uh, Al-Qaeda and all the organizations tied to them. Um, then I was uh, an EXO for one of the companies. It was a production and analysis company. And uh, that was, you know, ops, logistics, that kind of stuff, sending everyone out. But what I did, which is really cool, was uh, I did Bold Alligator operational exercise with uh, multiple nations. Then I went out to Morocco and did African Lion. And that was really interesting. I was a captain at that time Mm. expecting to be like, you know, just my own little cell doing stuff with the Moroccans. And there was like 16 other countries there and there was no one in charge of the Intel section. So all of a sudden there's the captain sitting in the Colonel seat as the chief of staff for the Intel section. And I had an Italian Lieutenant Colonel who didn't want to do a damn thing. (laughs) Didn't like the Spanish Colonel, (laughs) the Moroccan Colonel didn't want anything to do with Intel. So I was like, all right. I guess, uh, I'm running it here. So I was running around my hair on fire for two weeks.
0: Oh man. <laughs> but, oh man.
1: That's, yeah.
0: uh, that's, uh, hilarious. Uh, Capitan Brennan go do this. Yeah,
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We that's had awesome. translators there and I just got hammered on something. So I come in and I tell them, you all need to fucking do this. And I turn to to translator, I'm like, don't translate. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's (laughs) awesome.
0: So, and then you said you got out and and for a year and a half, you you were searching for a job out there and and you couldn't find anything. What was going on there? Where were you applying?
1: What were you trying to do? I was applying to everything, man. I had this whole plan set up. I was like, all right, I'm going to get out of uh, active duty. I'm going to go to law school with the GI Bill part-time. I'm going to be a cop and I'm going to be a reservist. Mm -hmm. So I applied to ATF and the marshals. And at that time, they were pretty much only taking veterans. And they're like, I sent them my DD-214 and I get a response. Hey, we can't read your DD-214. All right. What the hell does that mean? Mm I'll send it again. No, we still can't read it. So we're not going to take you. All right. That's kind of weird. I applied for Jersey State Troopers. uh, Mm -hmm. I killed it on the physical, uh, passed the written. I had a master's degree at that time already. I was an officer in the military and they didn't take me. So I called up the recruit and I'm like, Hey man, you know, I, I got all this going on. What happened? Like I passed everything, never had an issue, did the background stuff. And, uh, the troopers like, you know, you sound like the perfect guy we want to have, but we send everything out to so a third party who does some kind of algorithm and you didn't fit the algorithm. I'm like, all right. <laughs> <Sure."> oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So government uh, at its finest. Yeah. So I, I tried for so much stuff. Um, I just, it wasn't working out. Mm -hmm. I was close to doing like a, was it a financial management or something like that before I went to law school. But that, at that point it was just desperation. And I didn't want to go be a barista at Starbucks. You know, I just, I wanted to get into a career, you know, Mm -hmm. I'd already done a master's. I already did service before I went in, I was teaching MMA. I was working construction. Yeah. I wanted to step into that career mode and it just wasn't working. So Uh, finally I was like, I got to get off my ass and do something and and school it is.
0: Mm -hmm. And, and how were you holding it together during that year and a half? Were were you taking side jobs, things like that? Or like,
1: I thought I was doing fine and I wasn't, um, Mm -hmm. I wasn't working. Uh, actually thinking about it now, I remember my father. So my parents moved down to South Carolina and uh, I was staying in the house in New York. And I told my dad, Hey, you guys can sell the house. I'll move out. He's like, no, no, no. We're going to wait till you're more set up. I was like, no, no, seriously. Like, I, I don't want you to do that. So he came up one time and the house was a mess. It was dusty. And he's like, are you all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. You know, I don't want to worry my dad. Um, but thinking about it now, yeah, I wasn't doing well. I was having troubles adjusting because one thing I always tell folks too, it's not just the deployments, but when you're in active duty for four years, it's, this is my lane. I got to stick in my lane. I got to make sure everyone else sticks in their lane. And then you come back to civilian life, and everyone's in each other's lanes, and it's just a complete culture adjust. You know, you're you're working on base. Most folks are living on base. You're hanging out with service members. It's 24-7 for four years, at least. And then you come home, and it's all gone, and you don't know how to adjust back because you're just stuck in that mindset of military lane, stick here, do this, do that. Just sitting down for a haircut, I was like, I have no idea what to do right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in you know, there. yeah, I was definitely definitely not doing well looking back at it now. But at the time, you're just like, no, I'm fine. No, I'm fine. No, I'm fine. And I was just living off savings, um, mm-hmm. applying to tons of jobs. But I think the mistake I made was not tailoring my resume and my applications. I was just like mm-hmm. trying to burn them all out. So, Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. That's
0: crazy. Yeah, and I've definitely been there where you you just don't know what to do, and you yeah. you, you know you're wondering. You wake up each day, you're hoping something will go your way, and it, it just doesn't. You know, and and um, a lot of times it's like the simplest tweak, like you said, maybe tailoring your applications and things like that. And in those cases, it really helps to get a second set of eyes on everything you're doing. Um, and the problem is a lot of guys, they don't want to do that. They yeah. they just want to keep to themselves. They isolate more and things like that. And, and that makes things, it makes everything worse. You know, the more everything. you isolate, the more you get yourself out of the world,
1: the more, the, the, the more you're, you're, you're digging yourself into a hole, you know? Yeah. Especially you're sitting there like, you know, I, I led missions of over a hundred guys and 30 trucks in Afghanistan. You know, we, we got hit with IEDs. We took fire. I don't need anybody's help, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm a Marine. I got this. And yeah. Yeah. You don't want to show that weakness to anyone. And, and that's, what's really tough, man. Yeah. Even just like going for USA jobs. I had no idea about these keywords you're supposed to put in. I, yep. I went to this tap and tamp class. That was pathetic. I'm sitting there as an officer getting out and there's a, a private in his utilities. Cause he's getting kicked out. He's been in the brig. It's like the audience is completely, they don't know what audience they have. You can't give me like, Hey, here's how to write a resume for two days. It's like, I, I know how to write a resume. I need other help.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So, so you decided to go to
1: law school, you study for your LSATs, you pass, where did you go to law school? So I went to uh Toro law center. It's in central Islip in New York. Uh, I did not do well on the LSATs, but I got good enough to get in. Uh, and I think the LSATs are, are pointless because I graduated cum laude, which, mm-hmm. you know, what all I'm saying that for is like you can get the worst scores getting in, but the best scores getting out. So that really isn't, I don't think, a barometer of your performance. Mm-hmm. It's got nothing to do with law. Yeah, um, yeah. I went there because they had the GI Bill and they had gotcha. the uh, uh, post 9/11. I'm sorry, the post 9/11 GI Bill and the Yellow Ribbon Program. Gotcha, gotcha. Right. And what, what was it like? How was law school? So I went in like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, you know, I'm going to go to school. I'm gonna do my studies. I'm going to get back to martial arts because I'm going to lift and I have time to get a lot of other stuff done. And Nope. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. all work, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. It's uh, I hear it's a, I hear it's a beast. Oh yeah. It's like you got, um, sleep, social life and uh, your work choose two of them because that's all you're going to be able to do. <laughs> oh man.
0: Uh <laughs> Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's crazy, but you got through three years, right? Uh, and then uh, you get out, and and you said you became a prosecutor, right?
1: Well, first I did uh, criminal defense down in Maryland. My wife mm-hmm. and I, um, we got married during that time. We went down to to Maryland. Uh, she was working with Johns Hopkins. She's a research scientist, and uh, I was like, all right, great. I might I'll probably be able to get a job, you know, into government. I got the clearances, you know, I got the law degree. Um, and it was a tough time because that's kind of around the time when they put that freeze on hiring. Uh, I was pretty much set to get a job with Naval air systems command, but it was frozen. And, uh, I was really waiting for that. Never happens. And then my wife and I, like she was pregnant at the time and we had no real support. The closest family or friends was like an hour away. Um, so we're like, all right, we're gonna go back to New York. And, uh, I applied for jobs in New York, got called in for a, uh, uh, a job interview with Suffolk County district attorney's off office, got offered the job and took it.
0: Nice. Nice. And, and what was that like being a criminal defense attorney?
1: Man, uh, that was probably the worst job I ever had. And I definitely did not get fired because I was a reservist. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it's definitely cause you're not definitely not because you're military. It's definitely yeah. because you're military. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was crazy because, one thing I learned from there, it's not just getting a job that you fit. The job's got to fit you. So you mm-hmm. got to have a match both ways. Like I went there. I was like, listen, I'm new. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I want to learn from you. He's like, yes, we will go out once a week at lunch. I'll teach you stuff. I'll show you how to do things that never happened. I went down to go do a DWI trial and I'm sitting there going through all these papers. Like, all right, all right. I think I got all this 15 minutes before I leave. He's like, this is how it's all done. <laughs> it's like, Oh my God! this guy screwed! <laughs>
0: oh my God, yeah, that's nuts
1: that's yeah. nuts but it was so, so I'm sorry, go ahead man did, did how long did he
0: serve in jail?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I got not fired right in the middle of the trial, so I have no idea. <laughs> oh man uh
0: but uh were you were you ever sitting there? And I, I don't know if I can ask you this as a lawyer, but like, were you ever sitting there and like, you, you had a guy who you knew was guilty
1: and like, you were like, oh man, what am I doing here? Yeah. Uh, the people, a lot of people you interact with suck. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause they're just, there's a reason there's like repeat offenders, they're, they're repeat customers. They're whatever reason they're always getting in trouble with the law. There are some cases where it's like, I feel really bad for him. For instance, uh, this mother came to us and her son was addicted to heroin and he was a great kid in high school, was going to college to be, you know, on that straight and narrow and he got in a car accident, went through the windshields, got Jeez, really yes. jacked up. He's in the hospital and they're just giving him painkillers and painkillers and painkillers. Oh and then next thing you know, he's addicted to opiates and he can't kick it. And now he's got a bad heroin addiction and it's just because he got in this car accident and it's, Life can really, you know, really suck for you at times, and you know that kid just had a, a tough draw of it. Uh, I hope he turned his life around. He's got a pretty good support network from what I saw, but it just shows it's not just kids that are out there, just drug addicts doing whatever. It can really hit anybody at any yeah. time. Yeah,
0: hundred percent, hundred percent. And then after that, did you go become a prosecutor?
1: Or? Yeah, yeah. At that point, uh, what's funny is I moved up to New York. And the week I started that new job, Naval Air Assistance Command is like, hey, you want to come in and start next week? I'm like, well, I took another job. I'm moving uh-huh. to New York now.
0: <laughs> Man, <laughs> you got some luck.
1: Look <laughs> at the iris. My call sign in Afghanistan was Murphy's Law for a reason. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> so, so God, they, they just called you right when you started the new job. Did you have any regrets about moving over
1: and, and doing the prosecutor work or not really. I would have, I would have loved to have done Naval air systems command. Cause I would have been working with commands could have been a Marine unit, a Naval unit. And, and I just, you know, I know that lifestyle. I know that culture would have loved to have done it. Uh, but life just took me in a different direction, but I liked being in the prosecutor's office and I worked in two bureaus. Mm-hmm. And one of them was what's called the East End, which is like where the Hamptons are. Mm-hmm. And my God, what a crazy world it is out there on that <laughs> East Match. <side. laughs>
0: All kinds of craziness going on in that oh, yeah. that little area of the world. Yeah. Did you get any interesting cases?
1: Yeah, there's you know, DWI is probably the the most common case you see mm-hmm. in criminal law, at least from my perspective. Um yeah, I, I don't know how much I could talk about cases, but yeah, there's yeah. some names that are out there.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my dumb ass. I, I don't know the law or anything like that. But yeah, I'm sure you, you you dealt with some shit while you're out there. For those who don't know, the Hamptons are like like the super rich from like New York City. They all get summer homes on the end of Long Island, and uh, they all go out there every weekend in the summertime. Uh, the, yeah. the trains are all packed with uh, with rich socialites and things like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. That's interesting. So, so what
1: are you doing now? So uh, director of the Veterans and Service Members Rights Clinic. We mm-hmm. do uh, pro bono services for veterans and service members. Uh, it's myself. Uh, there's a retired judge who did Veterans Treatment Court in Suffolk County, actually started the, the court for Suffolk County, and then another attorney. And uh, what's ironic, his son is the Veteran Justice Outreach Specialist from the VA who works in the Veterans Treatment Court now. So it's the three of us. And uh, we'll do any case that we can take, um, discharge upgrades, correction of military records, VA benefits appeals, landlord, tenant, driver's license, just pretty much anything we can do to help out veterans. There's some cases that are just so complex that we just can't take it because we don't have the resources because we're all grants, we're all funding from outside sources.
0: Right, right. And, and so did you set
1: this up or, or was it an organization that you came to work for? I actually worked in the clinic when I was a student there. So it's Mm -hmm. been around almost about nine years now. Uh, So I was there before I even started uh, law school, Uh, but it's got a good name. We're the only um, law school in Suffolk County Uh, Hofstra, which is in Nassau County has its veterans clinic, but they do only um, VA law veterans law. Uh, So we're the only two on Nassau and Suffolk County, the Island that, that work with veterans from the law school perspective.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And so, you know, for, for everybody out there dealing with this stuff, what, what kind of cases are you working with? What, if a veteran's out there and he needs help, when should he or she decide to,
1: to call you? Anytime. It, it, if you just have questions, that's the time to call. So, mm-hmm. for instance, discharge upgrades, most veterans who have a discharge that's not honorable don't realize you can put in applications to the discharge review boards to get upgrades. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of them are successful for a couple of reasons. Sometimes veterans will just be like, Hey, I want my discharge upgrade to get my benefits. It's not going to work. Right. They don't look favorably upon court-martials. Those who have been court-martialed, but that doesn't mean it can't be successful. And what they have now is um, for anyone with a diagnosis of PTSD, TBI and MST that can be connected with the service who have anything other than an honorable discharge, they give what's called a liberal view to it, which is, mm-hmm they're more forgiving for that. So especially you can think about someone who's seen some shit out there and they come home and to try to deal with it, they get into these substances, could be marijuana, uh, pills, whatever the case is, and they pop on a piss test and they get that OTH or general under honorable conditions. You can put a petition together and that's one of the things we do is submit it to the discharge upgrade board and it's possible you can get upgraded to an honorable discharge. So it's definitely possible to Correct that mistake that's been in the past. And especially with what's going on in the last 20 years, you know, constant deployments. We're coming up on service members are going to be retiring and their entire career has been at war. What a change that's going to be.
0: Yep. Yep. TBI is a tricky one because yeah. there's, you know, there, there's a lot of evidence su- suggesting you can get a TBI just from, you know, manning a 50 cal. Or or something like that, and uh, it's interesting. Are they are they finding uh, ways of service connecting those incidences of low level TBI where uh, the brain might be affected, but there was never actually a case where they got knocked out?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. So when I was in in 2010, we hit an IED, and at that point there was three grades of concussion. Grade one, I think. I think it was was uh, you were just around something or got hit in the head. Uh, but you don't have a concussion Mm -hmm. grade two um, head injury was you got a concussion and you're out for a week so like i had a concussion i couldn't do anything for a week and grade three is you got like knocked out um so there's documentation for that and what's interesting is when my vehicle got hit with the the id the vehicle directly behind us the driver i think he got the concussion of the explosion uh and felt that because he was like freaked out all of a sudden like it just because it's You have no chance to react. It's a split second. And you're like, what the hell just happens? Um, So there's more and more science coming out with it. But as long as you can say, like, you've hit your head somewhere, I think you can make that connection to TBI. So for the VA benefits purposes, you can have service connection for zero percent still connection. You can still get medical benefits for the rest of your life through the VA for free. So it's awesome to have at the, at the very least as a backup, whatever anyone wants to say about the VA health system. So myself, I got 10% for TBI because I had that grade two, uh, Mm -hmm. where I couldn't go out for a week. Um, the VA told me I had TBI. I never really got any tests done because when I got the concussion was go sit in a dark room and I didn't sit in the dark room (laughs) and, uh, they did like a scan of my brain when I got out with the VA and they were like, yeah, you had TBI, but um, we'll give you a test. You have a little bit of TBI. It wasn't really a lot of information on it either. So, uh, that's, that's interesting. That's
0: interesting. And, and so what are you finding in, in doing this work? Uh, uh, what,
1: kind of, what kind of impact are you guys having out there on the guys? go get your benefits, man. Don't yeah. sit around and wait. I remember in my tap and tamp classes, there was a retired gunny who came in. He's like, I had 50% for my VA. That wasn't good enough. I got 70. It wasn't good enough. I kept fighting, fighting until I got a hundred percent. And I was like, man, we're lucky. you we used to get anything, but now being in it and seeing the big pushback and the lack of consistency. Now, nah, man, go out and fight for those benefits. A hundred percent do that because you can take a look at a package one day and be like, they get 10%. I can take a look at that same package and be like, they get zero. Someone else can say they're getting 60%. There's no mm. consistency at that first level. But you can go out and look up on the internet for the connected illnesses, uh, injuries, what each rating is. So not every rating singly gets to 100%. Tinnitus maxes out at 30 uh, Sleep apnea maxes out at 50%. And it could be 0, 10, 30, 50% like for sleep apnea. But you can look up all the symptoms for it and see what you should get. So if they're having bronchitis or the flu, you may not have every single symptom. But a doctor will say you have six out of eight symptoms you are diagnosed with bronchitis. It's the same thing with your rating. So like for sleep apnea, if you're prescribed a CPAP machine, that's 50% right there. It doesn't say you have to use it. Just like when you're prescribed medication, you may not use it, but you're prescribed it. That's all that's required. So you could sit there and go, yeah, they're prescribed a CPAP machine. I don't see them using it. They get 30%. No, that's not the law. The law says it has to be prescribed. You're trying to change legislation. You can't do that. So that's why you have to fight for it.
0: That's interesting. That's interesting. So it's completely subjective at a certain level. And are these doctors making the decision or are they
1: bureaucrats? No, it's just someone who works at the VA. I, I've heard there are attorneys that look at the initial packages. Mm-hmm. or oh, They could be caseworkers, but it's not a medical professional, from my understanding, that, that's doing this. So when you have someone review your package, they're just looking at it and going, okay, 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 great. Then you get that rating back, and you could say, that's not what I should get. The first thing you could do, there's two ways for your first appeal. You can have someone else in a similar position look at it. Or you can have what's called a higher level of review, which is someone who's a little more senior. Um, If you're still not happy, you can go to the Board of Appeals, which is uh, someone from the VA who uh, is like an arbitrator or a judge will take a look at the package again. You may be able to have an interview with them, and uh, they'll make a determination at that point. If you're still not happy, you can go to the federal level with the Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims, and the judges will hear the... uh, um, advocacy on on the side of it and make their determination if you're still not happy you can go to the federal uh court federal circuit and then eventually the supreme court but not many cases go uh, above the court of appeals for veterans claims gotcha gotcha and um what percentage would you say
0: of the people who come to you what percentage of them actually get increases on their benefits and and what percentage do they get denied
1: i don't i'd say more most of them get uh, increase or they hold the appeal. For instance, we had somebody who uh, um, their spouse passed away. So they were, so let me just back up a second. So if you're 100% VA disabled and you're married for 10 years in one day and you die on day two, your spouse can get some of those benefits. Oh, wow. Um, so when that spouse notifies the VA, hey, I shouldn't be getting these benefits, hey, I shouldn't be getting these benefits, and the VA is not doing anything about it that's on the VA. So then years later, they come back, you owe us $110,000. Like, Oh my God, what? <laughs> so you appeal it. And we saved that person over a hundred thousand dollars in back pay. So it's, you know, look at all the evidence right here. You guys screwed up. She contacted you back this, 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 and this Then and you didn't do anything about it. What do you want them to do? Like right. there's no one to give the money back to at that point. There's no single point of contact.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. What should our audience know uh, about this? What, what, for that guy or that gal who's at home right now who, who, who might have had an injury or might be dealing with somebody, something, let's say they, they, uh, they experienced early onset symptoms of something while they were in and then, you know, didn't really get it checked up. And then now they're out and it's become a more serious problem. What would you say to them?
1: You do a little research. Just look up VA disability uh, benefits and you could find out what illnesses and injuries are out there. Uh, you'll need your medical records. You can order your medical records, your VA records. So anything that's documented while you're in service can be connected. Just about everything that you have documented after you separate for the first year through the VA can be connected. After that, you'll need a doctor to sign off saying this is connected to service for a, a disability. Uh, compensation. There are veteran service officers through county agencies, state agencies. There's organizations like DAV, American Legion, VFW that does this. Law clinics throughout many law schools. There's a National Law School Veterans Clinic Consortium, NVLSP, NOVA. There's lots of organizations of advocates for veterans who do this work and want to help veterans with it. Contact somebody. And just talk to them. And you can look up yourself for the the ratings. You have PTSD, TBI, sleep apnea, headaches, um, injuries to your your joints, knees, your back, um, mental disorders. Everything is out there. You can look it up. You can see what the ratings are and be like, oh, wow, this is, you know, I think I should be getting this. The first thing they're going to do is an intent to file. And that's just putting the VA notice. Hey, I'm going to put in my disability claim. And you have 365 days from the day you put that intent in to actually file your claim. And that's important because once you get your rating, that whole time that you waited from the intent, when you put your letter the in intent to file, you can get back pay. And it's all tax-free. Yeah. yeah. There was somebody who appealed, appealed, appealed for like 10 years, all the way up to court appeals for veterans claims. They got $400,000 in back pay tax-free. Wow. Wow,
0: there's um. So I tried to go on to eBenefits, and and I think I've done an intent to file. I've never gotten any notification, nothing like that. Um, how does that work? You go you go on to eBenefits, you put your intent to file. Do they do they give you a confirmation or anything like that? Or they don't. They don't do much. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it it's really really. I mean, if you're somebody at home who's not used to dealing with the government or anything like that, it's really difficult.
1: Yes. And you know what? It's even putting my claims through, it's like, a, it's like a heavy burden, man. You're just like, oh, God, I hope I have everything. They're constantly going to not have everything. They're going to fight me on everything. I got a friend of mine who does the same stuff. I'm like, just take my case. I'm taking your case. And it's such a load off because then when you have someone who does this all the time, too, and, and when it's not your case, mm-hmm. they look through it all. They make sure everything's there. They're that neutral part to go, listen, this is what we need. You write statements for yourself. My wife wrote a statement. Friends can write witness statements. And all that helps you with your cases. So yeah, it is a lot. Medical records, all that stuff. But if you can kind of deal with the pain in the neck that can be the VA and that bureaucracy, it's worth it in the end when you get that tax-free. If you get 30%, you get to add in your benefits. So your spouse, your children, sometimes parents can add to your pay. Uh, when you get 50% for those who retire, you can receive retirement pay and your disability pay. If you hit 70%, sometimes that adds in more benefits and every county and state is different with the percentages. So it can reduce your tax bill for your house. You may be able to get into, uh, like the, the state veterans homes when you get older. I mean, there's just a ton of benefits out there and you just got to go out there and you got to fight for them. man. You fought for your country, go fight for those benefits. Cause if you don't do that they're going to get shots because they're always looking to chop uh, in the budget. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I really appreciate you coming on here and talking to us about this. It's, uh, you're doing some great work out there. Is there anything else you'd like to cover before, before we get off here?
1: Uh, I would just say, just reach out for help to someone. If you're looking for this and if you're a civilian and just want to help, you can go look to be a veteran service uh, officer as well to help veterans. You get accredited by the VA And then you put together these, these claims for everyone, you submit them and just follow up. I mean, no one knows a veteran better than another veteran, but that's not to push aside civilians because there's some great people out there who've never served and they just want to help. So there's people out there that want to help. There's tons of organizations. Just do a little bit of research and you'll find someplace that fits for you.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, Chad, Thanks again for coming on here. It was really interesting hearing your story. You got a great backstory here. Um, and uh, where where can people go to get in touch with you? Where can people uh, follow up with you uh, after the show?
1: Um, so you can just email me or, or call my office. Um, I'm with the Toro Law Center, the Veterans Clinic. We have a little website through Toro Law and the clinics. Um, uh, my emails: is clennon at torolaw.edu. And, if you want to put it in the notes or any way that you can to put it out to yeah. your audience, man. And my number is, uh, 631-761-7474. Call us, email me. Uh, if we can't take your case, I will put you in contact with somebody that can. I'm in New York, but if you're in California, I can always put you in contact with folks out in California. Mm-hmm. So there is a community out there and you know, if someone in your area can't help, they just, just ask. We're out there, man. Yeah. We're out there to help.
0: Yeah, no prank calls. Don't don't do <laughs> yeah. any prank calls here. Right? Even though he was an officer, it's okay. Stop. <laughs> All right, awesome, Chad. Well, thank you again, and to everybody out there. Like Chad said, get after these benefits. Go out there, fight for them. You fought for your country. Get what you deserve. Um, you know, and and it's really about stepping up for yourself and stepping up, to take care of your family, and and putting yourself in a better position so that. You can have an impact on this society uh, because God knows it needs it right now. So, with that, guys, want to thank you so much for listening. This is Chris Albert and Chad, and uh, we are out. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Major Chad Lennon, uh, and I hope you actually. Get out there and you apply some of this stuff. Um, you know, if you're sitting there and you're wondering if you're eligible for benefits, if, if you think that something's going on and you think it's, it relates to your service, get out there and apply for it. I mean, honestly, the VA actually needs these applications. They need you to apply for more benefits, uh, so that they get the money. Doesn't mean that they're not going to give you a hell of a time trying to get them. It is difficult, but that's why we've got, people like Chad and organizations like the one that Chad works with. So definitely take advantage of these resources. Definitely take advantage of trying to contact him. Like I said, don't print call him or anything like that. Um, that would look bad for us. But, um, you know, we're, continuing here with the Warriors whole podcast I, I i think about the fact that it's been five years doing this show and i can't believe it um we're publishing three times a week i am uh trying to get back on trying to get you guys some awesome guests here and uh you know thank you for bearing with me as i adjust to my life down here in florida and uh you know just bought a house um it's, it's absolutely awesome feeling. I hope you guys are also taking advantage of that VA home loan that we've been talking about here in in the episodes the past couple of weeks. And, um, you know, there, there's so much out there right now that you can take advantage of. I know times are hard, times are difficult, but there are opportunities out there. And if you keep your eyes, your ears open and you keep working hard, you're going to be able to take advantage of those opportunities. So, with that, guys, I want to thank you so much for listening. Get out there, live your best lives while you
1: can. This is Chris Albert with the Warrior Soul Podcast, and I am out.